Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag your mind Good evening, everyone. I'm Rick Walker. Welcome back to the Maverick News Channel. Lots of stuff to share with you tonight. Barack Obama, he's resurfaced. He's out there and he's commenting on Israel, Hamas. There are new polls out. Things are not looking good for Biden. The country thinks we're heading in the wrong direction. RFK Jr., his new campaign manager, under scrutiny. Some people are worried because of her past with the CIA. Once in the CIA, always in the CIA. You be the judge tonight. We'll play a little clip from their most recent campaign podcast, and you can be the judge. Is RFK's campaign manager part of the deep state? Or is Amaryllis Fox part of the solution? That is the question weighing heavily tonight on the minds of many out there who are looking for solutions to our current political dilemmas. We'll dig into it when we come back on the other side of this. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow, maybe too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching.
back. Okay. First up tonight. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken went to Iraq unannounced today as part of his tour of the Middle East. He's trying to tap down concerns of about the war between Israel and Palestinian Hamas fighters. The U.S. is working to, I guess, minimize spillover from the conflict. So they send him over there to uh, meet with the leaders of the various countries. He had, uh, after an earlier visit to the occupied West Bank, occupied, however you want to view it, Blinken landed in uh, Baghdad and met with Iraqi Prime Minister Mohammed al-Sudani. Washington is looking to prevent this thing, this conflict from becoming a wider regional conflict. Of course, we know they have uh, two ships in the area, lots of aircraft, fighter jets on their aircraft carriers. And uh, the thing just keeps on spiraling and spiraling. And I don't know if you would say it's out of control, but I suppose if you're at war, yeah, things are pretty much out of control. So things are not looking good in the Middle East. Somebody messaging me. What is this? Oh, okay. Let me just check the settings on tonight's. Video looks like maybe people can't see us on Rumble. It is. It's set to private. Now we're making it public. Okay. Hopefully this fixes it on the fly. And we are now public on Rumble, so people should be able to find us there. And thank you for sending me that notice. No wonder people were having trouble. Ah, Rumble is such a difficult thing. I wish they would just simplify it, but they don't. They just make it complicated to set it up every day. So you click one wrong thing, you have to go through this whole process. Let me just check the settings on Rumble Channel 2. It's It should be fine on the second channel. Okay. All right. I think we're back in business. And I will send. That over. And I think we are good to go. So hopefully people find us over there now that we're rolling. In fact, you know what? Because we had that glitch and so many people do watch on Rumble, we have a 
few people growing over here on the on our third tier YouTube channel um, because of that. Let's just run another little break to give people a moment to catch up and get on our main Rumble channel. I'll be right back. We are Mavericks. We say no to the Trudeau and Biden New World Order. And to bugs. Because bugs are creepy and gross. And people should not eat bugs. Maverick News. The world is watching. People are still telling me it's not showing up on the main Rumble channel. So hang on a moment. I'm working on it. I'll, I'll get the stupid thing fixed. Hang on. I'm really sorry. Bear with me. I'm working on it. Okay, I see people are on the channel. People are watching, so we'll get more and more as uh, as they find it. I do apologize for the confusion. It is what it is. It's frustrating. Very frustrating. Okay, so anyway, as I was saying, Anthony Blinken, he goes over to the Middle East and uh, he's doing his thing over there. And, uh, you know, they don't want it to spread, but of course they're, they haven't been in favor of a ceasefire. They haven't been really working toward that um, because they're saying that that would give Hamas a time to regroup and rearm, reorganize, and then launch new attacks. So that's been the position of the United States and Israel as calls for a ceasefire have been basically rejected so far on that side. Uh, and protests continue to spread all over the world. I want to bring up this here from... I like Andy Nyo. He's a good journalist, I think. And uh, he's been posting, you know, a fair bit of stuff about this. 
here's a um, here's something I think he reposted. And he's been posting some stuff out of London, England. Let's bring this up here. This is video of um, what he says is a Canadian or maybe an American Antifa activist. And uh, he attended the London-Palestine protest. And I guess Bill Bird Chris was there, apparently. And... He called Billboard Chris, Chris a fascist for opposing transitioning children. And then the anti I don't know. It says London. So I'm not sure, but it looks like London, England. He's been posting a bunch of stuff out of London, England. So this is very recent. So let me just, I'll bring it up and we'll see what it says, what, what's, what goes on here anyway. It makes me think this must be Canada, but. It's labeled as London. I don't think it's London, Ontario, but here we go. Anyway, this is the clip. Sterilizing kids. Why do you think we should sterilize kids? Why do you think you have the right to control a child's body? What's a trans body? A child's body. You're child's enforcing body. the parents' control over a person's body. So are you familiar with the facts about this, about how children are being sterilized? I don't think you're familiar with the facts like You're not, you're not familiar basis. with this. Really? Yeah, oh, your like facts are incorrect. Your facts are incorrect. Like what? What's incorrect? Children are not being sterilized. Oh, really? So I'm filming right now, but I could bring up the consent forms that these children sign the eugenic clinic where it says right on there. That purity blockers across this hormone to sterilize. This isn't some secret knowledge. All the trans health experts themselves will tell this to you. I mean, the truth that's used is triptolin. Triptolin is the exact same drug used to kill the astral Back in the 70s. Why do you feel the need to intimidate Oh, I was just walking by and you called me an epic fascist. So yeah, I thought you might like to have a conversation. So again, what is fascist about trying to protect children from irreversible harm? That's, you are actually causing children to commit suicide with what you are propagating with. So this is what I hear every time I talk to some mass trans activists like yourself. The only thing they can ever say is that kids are going to kill themselves if we don't mutilate and sterilize them. But there's no data to support that at all. In fact, if you look at the only studies that have ever if been done... At, if you look at the rates of trans suicide and trans mental health for kids who need this life-saving care. Life-saving. Yes, life-saving life care. It's life-saving. How so? Because without it, they would be fucking miserable. They would, and they, and oh, many of them commit suicide. Oh, you just told me a minute ago they were all killing themselves. Many of them do. Many of them do and commit suicide. And you've got some data on this, dude? I don't have it on me at the moment, but I have seen these studies and have I have you? read these studies. Yes, I have. Well, maybe you could send them to me later because I've been... I do not want to have any contact with them. Oh, so... You you don't actually want to prove any of your points because you actually have no evidence Free for anything. Palestine! Do you know this about half of these kids? Anti-LGBTQ, anti-LGBTQ propaganda. He's trying 
to tell children that yeah. they are not allowed to be trans. Suddenly, their world blew up and their minds couldn't cope. And then the people they were, they thought they were supporting with their protest came over to tell them they weren't on board with their political ideology, or at least their beliefs on that particular issue. Ha uh ha. -huh. And things get more and more complicated and spicier and... Even a little bit, uh, well, shall I say, I don't know if I want to use the word violent, but should I say violent? Uh, well, unstable. How about that? How about unstable? So this, uh, yeah, this was also in London. Let's take a look here. <laughs> Huge crowds of protesters in London, England. But wait, there's more, a lot more actually out of London, England. There was a big protest there and there was a big one in Washington, as you know. Let's take a look here. Here we go. And more. Yes, more, more, more. Here we are. Free 
And here is footage of demonstrators setting up fireworks and uh, aiming them at one point during the protest at police. So, you know, fireworks can actually, in a way, be weaponized. There we go. And this was at the um, at Trafalgar Square, where demonstrators got up on top of some of the structures there and may have actually have damaged some of these historic things, these historic structures. And here we go. And uh, one of the things that uh, one of the there was a tweet that really caught my attention over the last 24 hours. One of them was London has fallen. And you look at the crowd and you can understand why someone might tweet something like that. if the internet catches up and lets this thing actually roll. Come on, internet. We are having technical problems tonight. It'll come back online, just give it a moment. Just give it a moment. Hang on, let me, uh, let me requeue it. Here we go. Let's try this one instead. Okay. 
So emotions still running high. Everything's very polarized. And then today, Barack Obama weighed in on this. Yes, Barack Obama was on a program called Pod Save America. He was at an event, actually. And uh, he says that nobody's hands are clean in the Israel-Hamas conflict. He said uh, today, if you want to solve the problem, then you have to take the whole truth. He says you have to take in the whole truth. And this is actually, I'm sorry, this was actually yesterday, but um, the entire thing has not yet been broadcast, only some short clips of it. We have some of that for you here. It, the entire session will be broadcast, I believe, on Tuesday or posted on X. And then he went on to say, and you then have to admit nobody's hands are clean, that all of us are complicit to some degree. He said, I look at this and I think back, what could I have done during my presidency to move this forward? As hard as I tried, I've got the scars to prove it. What Hamas did was horrific and there's no justification for it. And what is also true is that the occupation, and he did use the word occupation, and what's happening to Palestinians is unbearable. All of this is taking place against the backdrop, backdrop of decades of failure to achieve a durable peace for both Israelis and Palestinians. One that is based on genuine security for Israel, a recognition of its right to exist, and a peace that is based on an end of the occupation and the creation of a viable state and self-determination for the Palestinian people. So, let's listen to the man himself, Barack Obama. Let's get him on the screen and get his audio cranked up. Obama is back. Here he is, the former president himself. If there's any chance of us being able to act constructively to do something, it will require an admission of complexity and maintaining what on the surface may seem contradictory ideas, that, that what Hamas did was horrific and there's no justification for it, and what is also true is that the, the occupation and what's happening to Palestinians is, is unbearable. And what is also true is that there is a history of the Jewish people that may be dismissed unless your grandparents or your great-grandparents or your uncle or your aunt tell you stories about the madness of anti-Semitism. And what is true is that there are people right now who are dying who have nothing to do with what Hamas did 
and what is true, right? I, I mean, we can go on for a while. And the problem with the social media and trying to TikTok activism and trying to debate this on that is you can't speak the truth. You can pretend to speak the truth. You can speak one side of the truth. And in some cases, you can try to maintain your moral innocence, but that won't solve the problem. And so if you want to solve the problem, then you have to take in the whole truth. And you then have to admit nobody's hands are clean, that all of us are complicit to some degree. I look at this and I think back, what could I have done during my presidency to move this forward as hard as I tried? I've got the scars to prove it. But there's a part of me that's still saying, well, was there something else I could have done? That's the conversation we should be having. Not just looking backwards, but looking forward. And, and that can't happen if we are confining ourselves to our outrage. I would rather see you out there talking to people, including people who you disagree with. If you genuinely want to change this, then you've got to figure out how to speak to somebody on the other side and listen to them and understand what they are talking about and not, and not dismiss it. Because you can't save that child without their help. Not in this situation. Okay. So that is on Pod Save America. They will be broadcasting or posting that entire session. I believe it is on Tuesday. So take that for what it's worth now in Canada on Parliament Hill. There was a big Palestinian rally and apparently, well, not apparently, there's a photo of it. Um, there was a swastika that was displayed during this pro-Palestinian rally and uh, here, I'll show you. I'll show you what it is. And as we've been reporting here, there is definitely a rise in anti-Semitism around the world, really, folks. And Canada is no exception. A country that, you know, is, is supposed to be taking, supposed to take pride in its tolerance and... Uh, and it's diversity. Well, diversity is, uh, as I've been saying, is not Canada's strength. Diversity is Canada's challenge. Especially when you get, you know, you have a lot, when you have a large group of people who, well, I, it's just self-evident. Here it is. This is, this is what this conflict has led to on, on the Canadian front. So you can see what this is. Let's take see if we can take a closer look. And this guy, whoever this is, 
has has a sign and it's an Israeli flag on his right, our left, looking at it. And underneath it says Zionism. And then there's the Nazi swastika to the, uh, to the side of that on the sign. And it says Nazism. So, of course, this is of uh, extreme concern to people. And I would say that's definitely a swastika, although somebody here, again, is, I don't know if they're trying to defend this in some way, but in the comments section on this post, somebody is saying, the Hockenkreuz, the hooked cross, is not the swastika. I don't know why they're posting that. Because we know that, you know, if it's used by the by the Hindus, it is it is different. And if it again, for me, if it's used in a cultural way, is it's one thing. You use you use the swastika, you know, if, if it was part of your culture before. And if you continue to use it and you use it in a cultural way, that's one thing. If you repurpose it and use it in a political way and base the political ideology that's attached to that in fascism and Nazism, just like we saw in World War II, then I would say that's Nazism. And it's a completely inappropriate and dangerous thing to do. Anyway, I'm, I'm actually getting tired of debating people on the difference. And if I, as I look at that, that photo, that in no way, that is not the Hindu or First Nations version or any other culture's version of the swastika. That's the Nazi swastika. I, I don't... <laughs> And what this is, is there, I think, if I'm reading that correctly, they're suggesting that it's Israel that is fascist, that is the Nazis. Oh, man. And I will tell you, I think that, uh, I think the whole thing has just turned into a bit of a mess. Honestly, um, let me just, I just want to check something here. And so that post was from the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs. And they, yeah, I mean, they are calling on people to stand up and condemn the use of that symbol and the display of it on Parliament Hill. And today, the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, did post online and uh, responded to the display of the swastika on Parliament Hill in this way. I will show you his post. There it is. Push that up onto the screen. 
What's this here say? Uh, somebody's responding to the Obama thing. This is Roberta. What's, she, what's Roberta saying? I just noticed it in the chat. Let's start up on the screen. Before we show you JT's thing. Obama, you're wrong. We have nothing to do with this. However, I think your actions during your term and your big unqualified mouth has a lot to do with it. Can you just shut up for a change and go about your own business? When President Trump gets back in office, I pray you have the good grace to disappear and stay out of government business. You've created enough chaos. Yeah. He got into office and what, what was the, the phrase that he, he used? He was going to fundamentally transform the United States. And that's what he said about, that's what he worked at doing during his time in office. He certainly did do that, didn't he? He didn't just change the United States, he changed the world. And yeah, when Trump was in office, peace was breaking out across the Middle East. And some people just couldn't stand it. <laughs> some people just could not have that, could they? Too much peace. Okay, let's get back to JT. There it is there. All right. I believe this is Justin Trudeau's response to the swastika on Parliament Hill. This is not the truck convoy thing, blah, 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 which was whatever that was. This is the Palestinian protest on Parliament Hill. He says, when we see or hear hateful language and imagery, we must condemn it. The display of a swastika by an individual Oh, isn't that interesting? On Parliament Hill is unacceptable. Canadians have the right to assemble peacefully, but we cannot tolerate anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, or hate of any kind. Isn't it interesting how, in this case, he's making reference to an individual being seen with a swastika, and yet, during the truckers' convoy, when the swastika was displayed, it was... Um, he kind of smeared the, used that to smear the entire freedom movement, didn't he? And the entire protest. And it wasn't even clear at the time if, well, I know that at the time during that freedom convoy, people told the guy to get lost. The guy carrying the flag with the swastika on it said, get the heck out of here. And, uh, and he was masked. It's never been absolutely conclusively shown who that individual was. Now, of course, new concerns with the uh, the new use of that swastika by a certain person um, within the last uh, six to eight months. We've drawn attention to that, and he seems to be getting a little bit of traction, some support from people out there, and I think he's just duping people. And I think that, uh, you know, he's saying that, um, well, you know where I stand on it. It is, uh, it is a fascist symbol in the way that he's using it. And it's completely, well, it's disgusting is what it is. And here's Pierre Polyev, conservative party leader in Canada, his reaction. I'll show you what he had to say about the swastika on Parliament Hill at the Palestinian rally. I'll tell you this, it's not just this one person. I am definitely seeing and hearing 
disturbing things from other people. Well, this internet is acting up tonight. Acting up. Come on. Let's just exit out of it. We'll try it one more time. We'll go here. Hopefully we can scroll down and get it. Sorry, folks, just taking a little bit of time. The internet is not cooperating. Let's go here. Maybe it's been taken down. Maybe that's why it's not popping up. I have an alternative way to show you what was posted, but it is not coming up, what Pierre Paulia posted. I'll show you what. I know that the uh, there was a newspaper that had it. So... I'll show it to you that way. When I click on the link right now, it is not, it is not popping up. And when I go to Pierre Polyev's Twitter account directly, not, not showing up there either. So let me just see if this has got it. Not there. Not going to show you that one. Must be. No, got to be here. No, got to be there. Here, here, got to be here. Yeah, so as you can see, this is his, his Twitter account right now. And it's, I'm not, it's not coming up. Okay, so hang on. Where did, why is it, it must have been deleted or something. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Okay, it'll be here. I'll show you this. Again, sorry, but here's an alternative post. It's just uh, it was a screenshot of it from earlier. So this is on CTV. This is the Polyev reaction. He says, all Canadians should condemn the displays of hate and anti-Semitism that we continue to see at demonstrations across the country, including the targeting of Jewish businesses and the open display of a swastika on Parliament Hill. Conservatives will continue to stand against hate. Yeah. And so there's been no comment so far from the organizers of the demonstration with regard to the display of that symbol. Ottawa police um, have said that they are concerned about a rise in what they say is hate-motivated incidents and crimes against Jewish and Muslim residents in Ottawa since the beginning of the war between Israel and Hamas on October 7th. Police patrols have been stepped up uh, around religious institutions and places of cultural significance around the municipality. And they issued a statement, I guess, uh, about this. And uh, yeah, leaders from the Jewish community are also expressing extreme concerns about this. Let me see if I can get you a clip. And... 
Let's bring it up. Here we go. Good evening, and thanks for. Okay, let's see if if, I don't think we've got the clip of this guy. Here we go. Here's. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Thousands of people rallying on Parliament Hill Saturday, demanding a ceasefire in the Gaza Strip. Uh, One of my board members lost 21, 21 family members in one day yesterday. It's really hard in the Palestinian community here. Like I, we're having a lot of nightless, sleepless nights. The rally, one of dozens across Canada, part of the Palestinian youth movement's National Day of Action for Palestine. To call for an immediate ceasefire. Echoing a message of peace abroad and here locally. One of the things that we've been seeing out of this conflict is a lot of hate directed at uh, Palestinians, at Muslims, and also at Jews. Emotional moments as onlookers wiped away tears. To see people devastated, to see people like saying their goodbyes to us, it's really hard in the whole community here. Prop coffins placed on the ground of the hill, wrapped in the flag of Palestine. Local members of provincial parliament showing their support. I'm here because I want our federal government to be a voice for peace in this world. This has been a horrifying three weeks of violence that we've seen on our television screens, and I believe Palestinians and Israelis can live in peace. The march starting at Parliament Hill, then heading through the streets of downtown Ottawa. The rally shutting down several streets. Dozens of officers directing traffic in the crowds as the march headed through the Byward Market. Now, this is the fourth consecutive weekend of rallies in the nation's capital. So that's enough of that. So, yeah. Pick a side. They want you to pick a side and fight. Pick a side and fight. I'm going to take a quick break while I gather my thoughts and get ready to move on to other stuff. Stay with me. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. Let's talk about 
Let's just uh, stick with a little bit of political stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. Heading into the 2024 election, it looks like Biden is swimming upstream. A new poll is out that shows most Americans think the USA is headed in the wrong direction. Let's show you this. Okay, Mr. Biden. There it is. It says right here. Here's the ABC New Post, ABC News post on this. It says a year before the presidential election, three quarters of Americans, 76%, believe the country is headed in the wrong direction. And the leading Democratic and Republican candidates are viewed broadly unfavorably. This is a new ABC News and Ipsos poll. Only 23% of Americans think the USA is headed in the right direction. And not surprising to me, but it says here that Republicans are the ones who are overwhelmingly negative. 95% thinking things in the country are going in the wrong direction, followed by 76% of independents and 54% of Democrats. 54% of Democrats. I would say that means Joe Biden is in deep doo-doo and Democrats in general. And it says here, among the two candidates most likely to face off again in 2024, one in three, 33% of Americans view President Joe Biden favorably, while former President Donald Trump is viewed favorably by only 29%. Yeah, well, you know, the, the, the shine has worn off a little bit on Donald Trump. Anytime a politician sticks around for a long time, people kind of get a little bit, uh, you know, they have a sort of a best before date. And he wasn't a politician at all when he first got into it, but he's got a lot of baggage with him now, doesn't he? Just because he has some history, political history, he is a politician now, like it or not. Says less than half of black people, 49%, and Hispanic people, 33%, have a favorable impression of Biden. Both of these groups voted overwhelmingly for him in the 2020 presidential election. According to ABC News, 2020 exit poll, 87% of black voters supported Biden in 2020, as did 65% of Hispanic voters. I don't know if I believe that. You know, these polls, I don't know. Got to take them with a bit of a grain of salt. Depends on how they ask questions, how they load them up, the methodology that's used. Quite often, polling is really designed to not measure public opinion, but to form it. Nevertheless, I think it is true that the majority of Americans probably do think the country is headed in the wrong direction. All you have to do, and here's a photo from a grocery store is just look at the prices of things. Inflation hasn't been this high since, wow, I can't remember ever. Even in the 1970s, when we had all kinds of economic challenges under Jimmy Carter, another Democrat president. At that time, I don't, I don't think the inflation was as bad as it is now. In fact, I went to a grocery store today and again, the prices were crazy. You know, I was I was just walking by the um, 
the hot dogs. And I just glanced over. And you know those cheap chicken wiener thingy thingies? You know, it wasn't long ago. You used to get them for 99 cents, a whole pack of chicken wieners. Chicken dogs. And then they went to a buck 49 Canadian. I'm talking Canadian here. And then to a dollar 99. And I just about had a heart attack, even without eating them. And you're pretty much forced to eat them now because it's about the only thing you can afford at the grocery store. And but not today, because as I, I walked by and I glanced over, do you know how much they were charging for a package of those same chicken dogs? not so long ago maybe you know i haven't bought them in a while probably two years ago 99 cents two years ago say maybe they were on sale but you know a dollar 49 tops back then three dollars 99 cents today i saw them for three dollars and 99 cents and then they're trying to tell us that inflation is running at what like five percent I don't think so. As I said before, man, I like, you know, <laughs> oh, during the pandemic, prices started to go up and it was an, it was 20% in this quarter and another 15% in that quarter and another 20% in that quarter. And you start adding 20% on top of 20% on top of 25%. And while they're telling you, the way they're measuring it, it ends up being, you know, the whole inflation is only at 4.2 or 3.6. No, not at the grocery store. You That's from a, from 99 cents to 3.99, same product. That's a little bit more than 5%. And that's a little bit more than even say, if it was 5% compounded over the course of say the past three years, that's still more. That $3.99. I'm not joking. I'm not making it up. But I'm sure you guys all know anyway because you're at the grocery store. I wanted to buy a lobster. I was there with my wife. A live lobster, but not to eat it. I felt sorry for them. I hate the way they put those elastic bands around the claws. I feel sorry for them. They're all piled in there on top of each other. I really felt sorry for those little guys, but I couldn't bring them home because they creeped me out. I don't know what it is about lobsters. I never liked the way they look. I didn't want to eat them. I don't want to eat them. I wanted to save them, but I couldn't bring them home and put them in the aquarium with Fred, who is still alive, by the way. People have been asking about Fred, the freedom fish. He's over there. I'm looking at him right now. I just haven't uh, put him to work by uh, showcasing him on the show of late. But he's alive and well and happy, and uh, I've nursed him back to health. He wasn't well for a while, but I saved his life. He had a little bit of fin rot, but he's back uh, swimming around and pretty happy. But I wasn't going to bring a big lobster home and stick that thing in there with him. The tank isn't big enough, and uh, lobsters creep me out. They just I don't like them. They look like some alien creature from Planet X. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'll eat lobster if somebody else cooks it. Um, but I still feel sorry for the little guys. Couldn't bring them home as a pet because I just couldn't love them. But I have to say that somebody out there lost their guinea pig overnight. 
the guinea pig passed away. You know who you are. And uh, I know it upset you. And yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Even if it's just a guinea pig, it's not just a guinea pig. It's a, it's a family member, right? We all get attached to our pets. And uh, they, they play a big part in our life. In fact, you know, I think people like me, I spend more time with my dog than any human, period. So, yeah, I totally get it, man. We all get attached to our pets and we love them. But I could not love a lobster. They're just too darn creepy for me. I still felt sorry for those guys today. Anyway, that's a totally it's a different story. Oh, wow. <laughs> what a stupid thing to talk about, Rick. Lobsters. Okay, again, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to take a break. I'm going to regroup on my thoughts stop going down crazy you know side roads when i come back i'll get refocused re-energized and start talking about the serious news of the day don't go away i'll be back right after this the new world order government overreach the great reset mainstream media lies now more than ever Independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News, the antivirus program for your mind. Okay, more political stuff, and, and this is about Trump. Okay, so this is CBS News. And then I'm going to show you a clip and I'm bringing up this, just showing you the headline on this, because again, it's it's about polling. And this is a CBS News poll. So I have to show you the uh, their headline because it's their poll. Here we go. And it says, if Trump wins, more voters foresee better finances and staying out of war. I totally get it, man. I, I agree. If between the two of those guys, Biden and Trump, hands down, Trump is going to run the economy better. He knows the score. He knows how to uh, turn a nickel into, into a quarter, you know? He knows how to make money, and um, he, knows how, he knows how finances work. He knows, how, he knows what fuels inflation. I, uh, no, I can't say that <clears throat> when he was in office, he was absolutely operating as a, a fiscal conservative. He was not. But he understands growth and he understands the need to bring jobs back. And he, he knows how to use tariffs to do that as a tool. So I was very much in favor of that. When I was younger, I was generally against tariffs. But that's because I was young and uh, somewhat naive or more naive then than I am now, I think, maybe. Although the older I get and the more I learn, the more I realize how little I know. But in this case, I don't think there's any question Trump would do a better job of running the economy. And it says here, with views of things in America continuing to be bad and now hitting their most negative marks of the year, one might expect an incumbent president to trail in a pre-election poll, as Joe Biden does in this one. But that's only half the story. The other half is that Donald Trump holds distinct advantages in his own right when voters look forward. More voters think they'd be better off financially if Trump wins in 2024, and more voters think it's Trump who can keep the U.S. out of a war if he wins. 
So that's the uh, that's the result of their poll. And um, related to that, I have this right here, Zelensky, okay? Remember when Trump said that he could end the war in Ukraine in 24 hours? Well, Vladimir Zelensky appeared on Meet the Press. And... He says, Donald Trump is welcome to come and try, but Zelensky is skeptical. He says that uh, Biden paid him a visit and seemed to have a, a firmer grip on things because he paid him a visit. And he says, you can't really understand the war unless you go there. So he said, Donald Trump is welcome to come. And if he shows up, he can explain things to him in 24 minutes and says that even though Trump says that he can bring peace within 24 hours, uh, Zelensky isn't so sure because he says there can be no peace because of Vladimir Putin. This is what he said on Meet the Press. Zelensky, former President Trump, who is the GOP frontrunner, has said that if he is reelected, he could end this war in 24 hours. What is your reaction and message to former President Trump about that? Former President Trump said that about 24 hours that he can manage it and finish the war. For me, uh, what can I say? So he's very welcome, first of all. President Biden was here and he, I think he understood some details, which you can understand only being here. So I invite President Trump, if he can come here, I will need 24 minutes Yes, 24 minutes, not more. Yes, not more, 24 minutes to explain President Trump that he can't manage this war. He can't bring peace because of the Putin. If, but always we have if. If he's not trying and if he's not ready to give our territory uh, for this terrible man for, 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 for the Putin. If you are not ready to give it, if you are not ready to give our independence, he, 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 can't, he can't manage it. Yes. You so have, he's very welcome. He's welcome to... I honestly don't know what to make of that. You can take that straight up, but I think there's probably some other kind of messaging in there. That may be a little bit of a wake-up call. I still believe that Donald Trump can bring peace. It might take a little longer than 24 hours to do it. But there are a lot of things that are in play. And as I peel back the layers of a lot of different things, I think that uh, Donald Trump carries more sway with the Russians than Joe Biden does. And not just because Putin is afraid of him or thinks that Donald Trump is unpredictable in some way. I just think that the two of those, those two guys 
I don't think they want to square off against each other. I think that Putin knows that Trump wants peace. And because he knows that uh, he's not looking for conflict, it would make it a whole lot easier for the two of them to sit down and work things out. That's just my opinion. Just my my view on it. And speaking of presidential hopefuls, RFK Jr. He has a new campaign manager, Amaryllis Fox. Dennis Kucinich was the campaign manager before. And, um, you know, Laurie, of course, is pretty dialed in over there. So we've had some conversations about it. And, uh, you know, she just made me aware that there has been this change in in leadership for the campaign and uh there was a podcast a regular sort of podcast i guess that they do for the rfk junior campaign i'm gonna play some of that for you their most recent podcast because they brought amaryllis fox on as part of it now the new campaign manager but some people are really concerned about her. Kennedy is getting hammered pretty hard because he has taken this pro-Israel stance on the Israel-Hamas conflict. And so a lot of the people around him, the, the media types who are sort of left, left of center and even pretty far left, a lot of them, they're pretty much pro-Palestine, anti-Israel, which might surprise people. In some ways, it doesn't make sense. It certainly does to me. I might explain it in more depth than another night. But I see why the alignments are, are the way they are. Anyway, they're hammering, they've been hammering on RFK Jr. And now here's this is another reason they're coming after him. And it's because of Amaryllis Fox, who used to work for the CIA as an undercover agent. So a lot of people are saying, well, Amaryllis Fox, once a CIA agent, always a CIA agent. Can't trust those CIA people. Obviously part of the deep state. Can't vote for RFK Jr. now, but I'm not so sure. I'd say, hold your horses, keep your perspective. Listen, let's listen in on a little bit of this podcast with this former CIA agent who's also related to RFK Jr. and now running his campaign as his new campaign manager. I listened in and uh, I found it revealing. Let's just say that. You can assess. Um, we've had a very, very exciting week. We've had two polls coming out this week, uh, the Quinnipiac poll yesterday, and, and three days earlier, the Harvard-Harris poll, which is both of them gold standard polls, Harvard-Harris and Mark Penn's polling firm, uh, that have both had us at an astonishing 22% in the polls. This is 12, 12 months out from the election, over 12 months out from the election, and uh, with a lot of momentum and 
with us now me enjoying the highest favorability rates of any candidate and actually any other person they polled. Oh, we're excited about that. We're excited what's happening in the campaign and outside. And we ought to, we want to welcome you all to join us and to pepper us with your questions. I'm going to turn it over to Amaryllis. First, I also little you got some glitchy stuff going on with the internet during this thing. So just give it a moment. He'll he'll pop back on here in just a couple of seconds. And QRFK Jr. Um, and and Stephanie Spear is the uh, is, is the campaign communications director and my press secretary. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Amaryllis. And uh, as many of you know, Amaryllis began her career as a uh, as a CIA undercover agent in the Mideast and in Asia in the weapons of mass destruction program. And a lot of people over the past couple of weeks have expressed the, uh, the, the worry that once you're a CIA agent, it's like the mafia, that you're a CIA agent forever and that you share the ideologies and the objectives and the agenda of the agency. Uh, I don't know, maybe I'll start out. I haven't told Amaryllis that I'm going to ask her this question. And anybody who really wants to know in depth about her career can read her amazing book, which the CIA tried to prevent her from publishing. Uh, but Amaryllis, uh, tell us the truth. Are you still secretly a CIA agent? That's true. Bobby did not <laughs> tell me he was going to ask me that, but I, I'm glad you did, Bobby. Look. I completely understand why a country that has not had a trustworthy president and a trustworthy uh, military and security services uh, in terms of the, the way that uh, the way that politics and public life have been conducted in this country for 50 plus years um, would ask that question. I would ask it too. And uh, what I, what I will say is that since leaving 15 years ago, the North Star of my life has been calling out and calling for reform of the egregious abuses of the intelligence community and the corporate captured military industrial complex overseas um, and within our own domestic life. I think they are a moral stain on our country. And I think that those of us as veterans of the intelligence community and the, and the um, military industrial complex have come out and been the most forceful as activists for that change are, are in many ways best poised to look at all of the revelations that are emerging in the press and put them in the context of understanding how these structures work, where the power balances lie, how uh, the secrets are hidden, how the black budgets are dealt with, and to make sure that when we, when we bring this historic change in 2024 about and um, elect a leader for the first time in the last 50 plus years that has not only the, the, commitment and passion and dedication 
to reform these abuses, but also the experience and the knowledge, I mean, encyclopedic knowledge of what needs to be done. That's really what drew, drew me to Bobby and to this campaign to begin with. You know, I, funnily enough, the, the uh, documentary that I was working on that I had to put on hold in order to, to uh, take this role with the campaign was a documentary um, with uh, the Showtime folks who do the circus and other things about um, proving the tie of the CIA and the intelligence community to the assassinations of, of the 60s um, and, and beyond. You know, these abuses, there is a, there is a kind of widely held belief um, in, in the, at least the sort of center of the country that after the church commission, a lot of these abuses ended. Um, and we just see from looking around us right now in public life that that's just plainly not true. The intelligence community is deeply involved with censorship in this country. They're deeply involved with the, the entrenched corporate interests are driving our military agenda overseas. Um, they're deeply entrenched with the seeding of political divisions and, and fear narratives, the discrediting of so-called conspiracy theories that, you know, <laughs> this is the saying, today's conspiracy theory is tomorrow's Pulitzer, uh, has never held more in our in our society. And in fact, the coining of the term conspiracy theory was done by the intelligence community for that purpose of gaslighting and discrediting. So to me, the, the, the cure for um, suspicion of government is to elect a trustworthy government and a trustworthy leader. And I hear people complaining about the rise of conspiracy culture in the mainstream media. My answer is that if a government wants to be trusted, it needs to prove that it's trustworthy. And it has been many, many decades since our government has proven that to us. And, you know, every time we reach a milestone in this campaign's term, all of the sort of received political wisdom and and the cynical political elites and mainstream media that make all of these pronouncements about what is possible and what's not possible, all of that falls away when there is a leader who tells you the truth. And when you call out the corporate capture of our government and the military imperialism and ask people, you know, do you want your money and your children's lives being sent to fight foreign wars? Or do you want it reinvested in our own country and our own communities and jobs and schools and hospitals so that we can actually ensure that every person who works hard in this country can afford a good life? And, you know, Bob, Bobby, you and I first connected over our commitment to ending, you know, what have now become called the forever wars, which in their own way, I think is, is a title that is, you know, to suggest that this should just be normalized um, and and reforming, maybe even dismantling the parts of the intelligence community, the, the security services who have really, when you look at it, turned the, the very people who paid their bills and the people and the, the constitution that they are supposed to be serving and turned on them. Um, become this kind of turnkey totalitarianism that Ed Snowden, whose pardon I have been advocating for uh, for over a decade publicly, you know, he coined this term of turnkey totalitarianism, and, and Bobby has spoken very publicly about it as well. The ability at, at any moment 
to escalate the the surveillance and and control and fear narratives to the point of um, you know passing whatever next emergency measure needs to happen. And I think we all know, having lived through 9/11 and its aftermath, and through the pandemic and aftermath, that no quote unquote emergency power that the government has ever taken is ever returned when that emergency is over. You know the the Patriot Act just quietly gets renewed every time it is about to expire without any unfair whatsoever. And that will continue with the future such security services. So, you know, Bobby and I have spent a lot of time um, prior to this campaign investigating all of the ways that unchecked corporate cronies have, have been involved in the intelligence community and have controlled agencies and, and um, military actions, implementing of coups, um, and and vast state-sponsored violence. You know, you look at BP and the Mossadegh overthrow, United Fruit in Latin America, and then right up to today, you've got hedge funds and energies that have driven the last 20 years of conflict, the destruction of the North Stream pipeline, the, the gas pipelines all through Syria and the Middle East that are driving strategic decisions there. Um, and and these so-called forever wars cost us eight trillion dollars and killed nine hundred thousand people, um, according to Brown University. But they made defense hedge funds very rich, right? While they impoverished uh, the American middle class, our take-home pay is down. Housing prices are through the roof. Nobody can afford childcare. I mean, I am one of those. I have two kids under the age of five. And for anyone else out there who has two kids under the age of five in all 50 states for childcare than you do for housing, healthcare, we all know is in a, in a state of absolute financialization by hedge funds and completely unaffordable. People can't put gas in their car. And the truth is that the, the, the two-party system will never allow for an end to that kind of devastation of the middle class because they're in on it, right? They've already been bought and they already owe favors. And when you look at both Biden and Trump's senior opponents, they are stacked with corporate cronies. And so the inflation continues and the war machine grinds on. Um, and, you know, I, I, people look at all this and they understand in their bones that, you know, the the leaders who have built their power for decades on these corporate relationships can never and will never return that wealth to the people. And so when you talk about the poll number, that is the the understanding in the American uh, electorate that's driving those staggering poll numbers that we're seeing. You know, Bobby is not only polling at 22% nationwide, but he is leading among independent voters nationwide at a time when half of Americans describe themselves as independents. Um, you know, and these are people who who have had it with the two-party system, you know, telling us we have to hate one another while, while they use the distraction up and send our national wealth to to bankers and and bomb makers, and the other point from those polls important to 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 note is that Bobby is now also leading nationwide among voters who are under the age of thirty four, and that is such a crucial indicator of what is to come, 
Because when you look back at our history and you look at at young people's positions, they have always been, you know, the the bellwether, right, for social change in this country. Like you look at Vietnam, uh, you look at civil rights, opposition to the war in Iraq, like the, the young voters always get it right first. And so when I see these numbers 12 months out from the election, um, you know, I, I see a campaign that is poised to win the White House in 2024. And uh, and I think one thing that I've noticed on Twitter that I would just like to clarify here so that people are aware of it is we've had so few viable three-way races in this country that people necessarily realize that uh, with the exception of Maine and Nebraska, these are winner-takes-all states. Every other state is a winner-takes-all state, meaning that in a, you know, in a three-way dead heat, it's 34% to win. And Bobby is already polling at 38% of independents and young voters with 22% across the board, 12 months out from the election. So to me, those are the numbers of, you know, a campaign that is on its way to winning a historic victory for an independent, honest, accountable government um, in 2024. But I, I know I've talked too long, um, but I will say that this movement cannot win, even if we are at 80%, if Bobby's name is kept off the ballot. And this is an age old tactic to suppress independence in, in our two party tyranny, but we will overcome it. And we have the plan underway and, and First signatures already being collected this week, but I want to give you guys an update on that, and I will continue to give you an update at the top of every week's campaign kitchen. Um, so we are undertaking a 50-state, all-volunteer, grassroots operation to gather signatures across this country. This is not pay-to-play. There is an incredibly complex um, kind of CD industry of I'll pay you nine dollars for a signature and then someone comes along and pays you ten dollars to screw it up on behalf of an opponent. We are doing this the the true tried and true pure volunteer methodology and we have a vast grassroots movement that have signed up to go through the training in all states and to be out circulating, uh, jumping up and down on overpasses, saying pull off to sign for. Um, out in front of Trader Joe's, knocking doors in their neighborhood, um, and at the meet and greets where Bobby is getting record crowds, um, giving all of those people also this opportunity to sign a new declaration of independence and put Bobby's name on the ballot. So if you're interested in that, please come to Kennedy24.com, sign up, trained. We are really running a tight ship on this. There are very detailed requirements that are different in every single state. And we want to make sure that every petition signature that you gather counts. So we need to arm you with all of that detailed knowledge in advance. Um, currently, the states that are open do not require electors and do not require a vice presidential candidate to have been announced are listed on the site. But you can sign up for any of other states and we will let you know as soon as you're turn to uh, to get that training is underway. Um, so please come volunteer your time. If you can't volunteer your time, I know economic this is incredibly difficult, but please try to make a donation of any small amount. I don't think of them as donations. I think of it as an investment in an economy starting next year that will actually prioritize putting money back in your pocket and not sending it overseas. 
But this is an extremely expensive effort, and it is designed that way to keep choice off the ballot. If you can give of your time or of your of your money, it will allow us to get Bobby's name on the ballot and make sure that these staggering poll numbers translate into um, a, a sweeping win at the ballot box next November fifth. Um, all right, so that's that's it for my updates. Along, I, 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 I want to go to Charles, but let me give myself. Let me let me say a couple of little responses, <clears throat> beginning with a plug which is. The Wuhan cover-up, which uh, is, explores the, uh, you know, the genesis, the ideology of how uh, the U.S. funded the development of COVID-19 uh, virus, the SARS-CoV-2, transferred the technology and then funded the development in Wuhan, uh, but also the pervasive involvement in gain-of-function study from its inception of the CIA and the uh, and the Pentagon, the CIA's first mission when it was created in 1947 was Operation Paperclip, which was a operation to transfer German bioweapons and missile scientists and chemical weapons scientists. From out, from under the nose, and the hands, and the handcuffs of Nuremberg prosecutors, because most of them were war faced the death penalty from both Germany and Japan to Fort Detrick, where they set up the, the this extraordinary bioweapons program, which by 1969 had achieved nuclear equivalent, meaning that they could kill everybody in the United States for 29 cents per body, which is what they boasted about. And I trace the CIA's history in this, and the, um, you know, the CIA was the biggest of bioweapons research in Wuhan. Oh, these are the links between our military, our intelligence agency, and NIH in creating the bug are things that people should, that every American needs to understand. Uh, I'll say one other thing, which is that, you know, Amaryllis often tells me there's 20,000 people who work for CIA, and 90% of them are patriots, they're good public servants, they're idealists like she was, who joined the agency to protect our national security because they love our country. Uh, but many of the top officials, the branch heads, the division heads, are people who have risen through the ranks precisely because of their willingness and capacity to serve the military-industrial complex and the big military contractors and the, uh, the more, uh, I would say, seditious uh, aspirations of some of the people who run that agency, that, which has become a government within the government. Um, Mike Pompeo, who I never really liked, I, I would say I actively probably disliked him because of his involvement in so many nefarious activities and altruistic approach to, uh, uh, to running the CIA and later running the State Department. Um, I met him for the first time a couple of months ago in Las Vegas and had a very odd dinner with him. But during that dinner, 
he said to me the one biggest regret of his life was not having reformed the CIA when he was running the agency between 2017 and 2019. He said he had an opportunity to do it, but he never did it. He never took that opportunity, never exercised that opportunity. And then he turned to me and he said, the entire upper echelon of that agency is made up of people who do not believe in the democratic institutions in our country. And I was really dumbstruck um, by that statement from a man who I had long characterized as being right at the center of that, of the military industrial complex. Well, that was very, very eye-opening. Uh, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, I know what my my dad's plans were for reforming the agency. I know what President Kennedy, my uncle's plans were, and I know what I'm going to do to make sure that the agency honors the aspirations of that 90% of its employees who are trying to help our country rather than 10% who are uh, who are selling us out to the military-industrial complex and the military-industrial complex and engaging us in these permanent forever wars. I want to now introduce uh, our uh, policy director. Okay. Well, you guys can assess for yourselves. After listening to that, I'd say he needs her. Former CIA. He needs her. She's the key to the whole thing. He needs her because he needs somebody who knows the lay of the land, how things work, who the players are, and he needs someone who can protect it. Trump needed someone to protect him. Didn't have that, really. And then ended up surrounded by... Snakes, backstabbers, because he didn't have a very deep bench. He had trouble staffing his administration. He, you know, talked a good game. You know, he was going to drain the swamp. And then he got in there and realized, oh, my God, I'm surrounded by snakes and alligators pretty deep next thing you know he wasn't up to his knees or his waist he was up to his neck still is he needs her and there is a path to victory for that guy yeah i can see that it would be a first wouldn't it few other things, you know, I've been thinking about this actually for the past few weeks. Everybody's focused on World War II. And we're looking at all of these things happening. 
And everybody, you know, it's because World War II is more recent history. No. The tone of the campaign now for RFK Jr. is spot on. The campaign slogan, their slogans, they're also spot on. I declare my independence. It's, fo it's a focus on independence. It's an independent candidacy. He's running as an independent. It's about a declaration of independence. It's revisiting 1776. This is entirely appropriate right now because while everyone is so focused on the history of World War II and trying to analyze everything going on in Palestine, Israel, even in Canada, especially in Canada, and all these conflicts around the world, and even in Ukraine, while everyone's focused on the World War II history, it's not about that. It is, but more appropriately, the history to look at is colonial history, 1776, the American Revolution. And you know what really got me thinking about it was Canada's role in all of that. And it, it, because I've been, I've been thinking about phrases and how things play out and how people describe themselves. And for a long time, I've been trying to make sense of these, of the phrase patriot, patriot, patriot. And how does that play today? Patriot. Patriot to me generally means that you are patriotic that you believe in your country, that you love your country. I'm a patriot. No. No. See, if you go back and you look at your history, patriots were rebels. You might even say traitors because it was the patriots who broke away from Britain. 1776, patriotic to the United States, traitors to the crown. And, and then the British Empire loyalists, I think there were probably about, oh, in total, maybe around 250,000 or so moved to Canada. A lot of them up into Nova Scotia, Quebec, some of them right here. There were a lot of British Empire loyalists right here. Settled in Canada for a wide range of reasons. And then Canada became, you know, a, a safe haven for slaves. This was the where I live right now. This was the destination at the end of the Underground Railroad for fugitive slaves. That's kind of a, a related thing to all of this. And Canada's history of First Nations is a lot different here than it is in the United States as well. And that all ties back into colonialism, relationships with the monarchy. And then we talked about those First Nations treaties here in Canada and how they have to be honored and how they're unique. 
and why it's actually the relationship with the crown that protects First Nations in some ways, even though at the same time, I absolutely see and agree with those who assess the relationship with the crown as being oppressive. Historically, it has been. And yet today, it's such a complex relationship that it's that relationship that also protects the current level of sovereignty that First Nations here enjoy. And these problems are, how shall I say this? They are duplicated wherever British influence has been present throughout history, throughout the colonialization process. That's the history to focus on as we look for solutions to these problems, in particular, the problem between Israel-Palestine and even the problem in Ukraine, because it's also a question of sovereignty and the ongoing relationship there between European countries and Ukraine itself, where Ukraine has been, as I've said before, kind of like used like a doormat for countries that want to go in to try to invade Russia. <laughs> it's terrible what's happened to the people in Ukraine. I, I have so much empathy for them. It's, it's, uh, they've suffered so much. Um, the people, you know, and the people, it's, it always comes down to the people, doesn't it? So the people that suffer through all of these conflicts, that's the people suffering in Israel, Palestine right now. It's the people suffering even here. We're suffering because of crazy inflation and conflicts in the streets and in so many different ways. People are just suffering all around the world. But if we look back at that history, I think there's a lot to be learned there. You see, because patriots, patriot. Think about that word, though, folks, because what does patriot mean? Be careful. Be careful. The people who are leading these movements, all these different political movements, they understand. Like the people at the top, the puppet masters, and the people even just below them, they understand the meanings of these words. And in some cases, they're sort of redefining them on the fly and disguising things as well. Um, be careful. I'd say look into your heart. And when people are asking you to follow something or get involved in a political movement, look deep into your heart. And just my advice for what it's what what it's worth is just try to figure out the difference between right and wrong before you get involved in anything and just be careful who you follow out there because there are a lot of people who are engaging in deception have truths they're not being transparent i've seen over the past 3 years in particular narratives being spun up that are really leading to this huge spike in anti-Semitism, and it's because people have been primed for it. I'm seeing that very clearly right now. And it isn't just the government that has been using psychological warfare. It's other political, and I would say even you know non-governmental political 
activists or organizations that are involved in these operations and these narratives are being used to fuel fear, fuel anger, and get a response from people. And a lot of these, as I've said many times over the past number of weeks, um, these, these techniques have become very sophisticated and the technology being used, that being the internet, social media, artificial intelligence, etc. It's all very, very, very new and highly effective. You want to talk about MK Ultra? They're playing mind games on you right now, baby. Hypnosis is a real thing. Anyway, RFK Jr., Amaryllis Fox. I'm not so worried about her now after listening to that. Not 100% convinced, but um, I think she's the key to everything. Uh, I think she'll protect him. That's what she's there for. Maybe there is divine intervention after all. And I think she's a better person to have at the helm than the previous campaign manager. Yep. Step forward. No question. Hello, world. Are you awake? Uniting humankind by liberating millions of minds at a time. Maverick News. The world is watching. Grok. Have you heard of Grok? It's uh, Elon Musk's new AI chatbot. It has a rebellious streak, apparently. It's uh, inspired by Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So he has unveiled, Elon Musk has unveiled this thing. He has unveiled Grok. <laughs> Where does he come up with this stuff? Grok. What are you going to call your artificial intelligence chatbot, Elon? I'm going to call it Grok. An artificial intelligence chatbot. Um, he said last week that AI, here it is here, is one of the biggest threats to humanity, and yet he's directly involved in the development of AI. I don't know if that makes me feel better or not. Here's an article from The Guardian where he talks about just that. Um, let me put this up on the screen. Is that the right one? Elon, Elon Musk. There he is. It's not clear we can control it. He said what they said at the Bletch, Bletchley Park AI Summit. Elon Musk, the world's richest man, Mustafa Suleiman, co-founder of DeepMind and King Charles, among those weighing in. The Global AI Safety Summit opened at the Bletchley Park on Wednesday with a landmark declaration from countries including the UK, US, EU, and China that the technology poses a potentially catastrophic risk to humanity. Well, then, let's get right in there and get part, be part of that and uh, develop it. That's what Elon's doing. The so-called Bletchley Declaration said, quote, 
There is potential for serious, even catastrophic harm, either deliberate or unintentional, stemming from the most significant capabilities of these AI models. Here are some of the in interventions from political and tech industry figures, as well as King Charles on the day. So Elon said here, the world's richest man and Tesla chief executive described AI as a threat to humanity. Musk, who co-founded the ChatGPT developer OpenAI, has launched a new venture called XAI and is attending both days of the summit, blah, 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 blah. And then it says, in comments to the PA news agency on the summit sidelines, he said, it was not clear we can control such a thing, but we can aspire to guide it in a direction that's beneficial to humanity. Oh, I feel much better now. King Charles, in a video message, played to delegates at the beginning of the summit. The king described AI as one of the greatest technological leaps in the history of human endeavor. Hmm. And he went on and said, that is how the international community has sought to tackle climate change, to light a path of, to net zero and safeguard the future of our planet. We must similarly address the risks presented by AI with a sense of urgency unity and collective strength, he said. I don't know if I feel so good about these guys doing this thing here. I'm going to get no real word about it because I think a Robocop is going to come and eat my brain. Matt Clifford, at the start of each closed-door session, UK officials showed attenders their examples of how powerful AI models could make it easier for bad actors to wreak damage in a number of ways, during one session, Matt Clifford, who was in charge of organizing the summit, showed delegates how large language models could make it easier for bedroom hackers to launch phishing attacks. He says here, one of the things that's been really challenging about this debate for policymakers over the last year is sometimes it feels like just trading thought experiments, he said. What's so great about the Frontier Task Force is doing, what the Safety Institute will do is that it gets rid of these thought experiments. It just says, let's look at what these models can do right now. Okay, blah, 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 blah. In other words, we're doomed. Okay, so how are we doomed? Well, <laughs> just maybe we're doomed. I don't know. Maybe we're doomed. But the other night I said, Elon Musk, he might just be Iron Man. And then, and then I, I saw this stuff about Grok today, and then this thing pops up. Grok. Grok made this, I guess. Or I don't know. Here's Elon talking. Is Elon Iron Man? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's going to announce it. I never said you're a superhero. Didn't. Well, good, because that would be outlandish and uh, fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly, with this uh, laundry list of character defects, all the mistakes I've made, largely public. No. Yeah. Truth is, I am Iron Man. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I told you. I told you the other night. I even had a thumbnail. I said, I just said Iron Man and I had it right beside Elon's picture. I did. I knew he was Iron Man. He's Iron Man after all. Okay. So here's Elon Musk posting this. It says, 
This is an example of Grok versus typical GPT, where Grok has current information, but others, but the other does not. So um, it says a question here for Grok was Webb, when was Elon's last interview with Joe Rogan? It says Elon Musk's last interview with Joe Rogan was October 31st, 2023. In the interview, they discussed topics such as the Tesla Cybertruck, Musk's ownership of X, formerly known as Twitter, the COVID pandemic, and making Mars habitable. Habit, habit, habitable. Habitable. And then it says, Webb, what was Rogan wearing? During his interview with Elon Musk on October 31st, 2023, Joe Rogan donned a blonde wig and a Puerto Rico baseball jersey. This was likely done in a humorous manner, and he is known for his casual attire and laid-back personality during his podcast episodes. And that is an illustration, I guess, of Grok in action with more current information because ChatGPT, it only is current in information... Let me just ask Google, um, how current is the information on chat GPT? It only goes up to 2021. So they only have data in there of up to 2021. So if you're asking about anything current, uh, you're not going to get a, a good answer, if an answer at all, because chat GPT doesn't have current information built in. So it's only up to 2021. But Grok has better stuff. Now, Grok is only in beta format, and it's being made available to a limited number of people right now. Soon to be rolled out, though, I guess. Um, yeah, what were they saying about that? I can't remember the date on it now. Yeah, so the prototype's in beta phase, only two months in training, and is available to a select number of users to test out before the company releases it more widely. Users can sign up for a wait list on X for a chance to use the bot. Eventually, Musk said on X that Grok will be a feature of X Premium, which costs 16 bucks a month. Keeps adding. No wonder he's so rich. It's charging everybody fees on X now. You want a blue check mark? Gonna cost you 10 bucks. Next month it'll be 12. And if you want the uh, AI thing so you can help destroy humanity, $16 a month and make your own Robocop. The Tesla and SpaceX CEO appears to be positioning XAI as a challenger to companies like OpenAI, Inflection, and Anthropic. And, of course, everyone's going to go with Grok because of the name. Grok! <laughs> Just... How could you forget it? I guess it's good marketing. It's an unforgettable name. Truly unique. What does Grok even mean? Does Grok have... I'm going to type it in. Grok definition. I don't know. I've never actually... It sounds like a frog from Mars. Grok, understand something intuitively or by empathy. Oh, okay. Because of all the commercials, children grok things immediately. Empathize or communicate sympathetically. Establish a rapport. Nestling 
Earth couple would like to find water brothels to grok with in peace. There's a quotation here or something. Um, yeah, and I'm, pronoun I'm pronouncing it correctly. Let's bring it up and I'll show you. Grok. I say it better than the computer does, though. But here, here's the correct pronunciation. Grok. 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 Sounds like a bullfrog. Interesting. What does Merriam-Webster say? Grokked and grokking. Oh, so it could be like uh, a verb. What did you do last night? Oh, I went grokking. <laughs> oh, grok it. Yeah, it's like Google it. Now it's going to be grok it. Grok may be the only English English word that derives from Martian. Okay, there you go. See, now it's starting to make sense. Yes, we do mean the language of the planet Mars. No, we're not getting spacey. We've just ventured into the realm of science fiction. Grok was introduced by Robert A. Heinlein's 1961 fix, science fiction novel, Stranger in a Strange Land. See, I didn't read that one. I've read other Heinlein novels, but I didn't read that. Um, the books, I, otherwise I would have known what Grok is. The book's main character, Valentine Michael Smith, is a Martian-raised human who comes to Earth as an adult, bringing with him words from his native tongue and a unique perspective on the strange ways of Earthlings. Grok was quickly adopted by the youth culture of America and has since peppered the vernacular of those who grok it. Do you grok it, man? Grok on. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'm so out of touch. I'm so old. Examples of grok in a sentence. The eternal struggle of the human race to grok its place in the grand scheme of the universe. A recent example is on the web. The irony is how the people who grok enlightenment still manage to remain so unenlightened about the people who don't. That's a quote from Chris Mooney in Discover Magazine in 2011, which shows how completely out of touch I am because I've never even heard of the word before. The people around me just don't grok it, man. The nature of this religious nationalism is hard for many Westerners to grok. That from Razib Khan, Discover Magazine, on the 6th of May, 2012. And this is a quote from Chris Holt in Forbes, on the 4th of October of last year. Overwatch 2 is a complicated game that will take a long time for new players to fully grok. Grok. Yeah, well, you know, I remember some phrases too, but I guess it's showing my age because I remember things like, hey, and I remember like, up your nose with a rubber hose. And I also remember, take off, hoser. But now, if you want to be with it, if you want to be part of the Cool Kids Club, you got to grok it. Yeah, I know that there are shoes out there called Crocs. Are you going to grok in your Crocs? <laughs> oh, goodness me. Oh, my. A grok a pie. <laughs> Grock it. Grock it. 
Sounds like something Weird Al Yankovic could have field day with, man. He could have a lot of fun with that one. Yeah. Crockett! Crockett! Just like Michael Jackson's, you know, beat it, only be like Crockett. Anyway, enough of this. Enough of the grokking. I'm not complaining. I'm just grokking it, man. Grok on. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. Remember back during the original Freedom Convoy when some people freaked out because some people put some flowers around the Terry Fox statue memorial and they they put a Canadian flag on him? Don't. Not saying nothing. <sighs> Whatever. Whatever. Just saying. Just saying. It's eight o'clock. PM Eastern Time. Did the clocks go back last night? I'm so out of touch. When is daylight savings time? I think they did because I think I gained an hour today and I'm still tired. I had to pull an all nighter this week to get caught up on work. Yeah, November 5th. Yeah. Clocks fell back. They fell back. And I went back to sleep. <laughs> and then I woke up and I didn't even realize that it was like, uh, you know, daylight savings time day. It is the fifth today, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, I can check. Oh, I've been so busy. Which is good, I guess. But, man, I'm tired. I'm getting too old for staying up all night, man. Getting way too old. So who wants to go to the phones? You want to do that? I guess we could do that tonight. Let me crank up the phone lines. Uh, I'm going to put up the banner here with the phone number. 
You can call in at 1-833-975-3733. 1-833-975-3733. And we'll take a little break while I get everything kind of set up here. I have to do this. Take a few calls tonight. We'll do that. And uh, do, 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 I got to punch these buttons over there. And then I'll come back here and we'll run this promo while I get things cranked up. Here's the number to call. Join the conversation. Call 1-833-975-3733. That's 1-833-975-FREE. Speak up. Speak out. Make your voice heard. Maverick News. Fighting for freedom by defending your right to free speech. Be a Maverick. Join us. Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The antivirus program for your mind. Time to go to the phones. Let me get the number back up on the screen. But before I do that, I'll remind you that, and I'll beg, I'll get down on my knees and beg for help. If you can donate, that's one of the places you can do it. Maverickdonations.com. Help us pay the bills. And uh, donate to uh, support free speech and free media and independent journalism at freedomreporters.com. Freedomreporters.com. Help us keep the Maverick News Network operating and help us give you a voice as well by helping us pay for those phone lines and the phone system and the software and the hardware. We cover all of the subscriptions that we need to maintain here to keep this whole show on the road. Cruising down the information superhighway as we find ourselves at the center of this information warfare storm. Working for you. Every single day. And 
and again. Where's that phone number? Let's get that phone number up. Okay. Call in at 1-833-975-3733. And I'll bring up the phone lines onto the screen for tonight. There we go. And uh, right there. And we are in business and ready to start taking calls. And we are ready to start taking calls. Okay, so 1-833-975-3733. That's 1-833-975-FREE. Please consider as well subscribing to our Rumble channel. We need uh, support over there. And I see that we are finally firing on all cylinders. Uh, yeah, we're, we, we have an audience over there on Rumble tonight. So that's good news. We had a little bit of a false start, a little bit of a hiccup at the beginning. It was uh, something I did, I guess, when I set it up that wasn't quite right, but it was set to private instead of public. So people couldn't find it. Uh, at the beginning, but we're rocking and rolling now. So please subscribe to our Rumble channels. We have two of them. And uh, subscribe over on YouTube too. Hit the notification bell. And like, 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 share, share, share on Facebook. <clears throat> really appreciate the support we get there too. And then you can also watch on these other platforms, especially with the rebroads or the... Uh, you know, the replays on Twitch and Odyssey and CloudHub and BitChute and clips running on Twitter and MeWe and some others as well. So we have, you know, content kind of all over the place. But these are our main channels, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Rumble. And the episodes are usually up on uh, Odyssey as well. So you can find us there. Let's check in on that phone system, shall we? Anybody calling in yet? We don't have any calls in the queue. All right. Save me. Phone me. Help me out. Let's talk. We'll talk about anything you want tonight. Sunday evening. You want to talk about Israel, Palestine? You want to talk about Obama resurfacing? You want to talk about Justin Trudeau and his socks? You want to talk about Anthony Blinken? We'll talk. You throw anything you want at me. I'll take any curveball you want to throw. I can't guarantee I'm going to give you any kind of a useful answer, but I'll do my best. I will do my best. All right, here we go. Here's our first caller of the evening. Go ahead. Who do we have on the line? Hi there. How are you tonight? I'm okay. How are you? That's the question. Uh, yeah, because it's Chris. It's been a rough day. <laughs> Yeah. But it is what it is. He was old. What do you do, right? Yeah, you lost your guinea pig. Yeah. Well, I'd ha like he was like five years old, right? But, I mean, when you've had him for like almost four years, right? Yeah, they be, you know, you get used to habits, right? Like, I thought, oh, I got to give him dinner tonight. And I thought, oh, he's not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it, it was rough, you know, cleaning up. But, you know, we'll move on. He's, a, he's in a better place. He's not in pain anymore. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> it is what it is, right? It, 
And that goes for anybody that loses a pet, right? So I'm glad to see your Fred, Fred still swimming around. You hadn't talked about him for a while. Yeah, he's over there right now. He's he's uh, smiling, and I I changed some of his water <laughs> today, and he's he's a he's a pretty happy little guy tonight. I have to tell you. I have to tell you that. Right on. Did yeah. you hear? Did you hear about? Um, I, I'm just hearing bits and pieces. Something about a bomb was dropped on a school. That was in a refugee area of Gaza. Yes. So let me tell you about that. Um, Israeli warplanes, at least these are the reports that we're hearing tonight, hit a refugee camp in Gaza. Um, Of course, more civilian deaths as a result of that. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, these reports, man, it's like, you know, I'm almost at the point where I want to wait until the next day to report on some of these things, because so much information comes out. I think that is, I, I just don't know what to, to believe or trust anymore. And I, I kind of like almost want to let the dust settle sometimes before I start giving people numbers or details, <laughs> because in the fog of war, the information that comes out initially is often not really accurate. And then you layer on top of that uh, people from, both sides yeah. in the conflict trying to inject their narrative or their propaganda. And it's really tough to know what, how to report on some of the stuff, you know? Oh, I know. Like they said, I was hearing bits and pieces, but I'm going, why, why would they bomb a school in the refugee area? I don't, I don't understand. Like they're, are they just firing these bombs wherever that no particular place. Like, uh, I, I I just don't get what's going on over well, there. You know, it's so, like if you if you mm-hmm. listen to the Israelis and the, the the military and the government there, they'll say it's because Hamas is using the civilians as human shields, and so they're setting up military bases, operations around schools or uh, around mm-hmm. hospitals, and sometimes like even inside these buildings, and they're legitimate right. military targets, but they put. They, they put them in civilian buildings and then put mm. civilians in there. That's what they'll, they'll tell you. So does that then make it yeah. still a legitimate target? Mm. Like, how do you deal with that? Like using yeah. people as human shields is in my view, a, 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 a war crime bombing civilians is a war crime. So instantly you have both yeah. sides committing war crimes you shouldn't be taking, mm-hmm. you know, a baby and holding it in front of you and going, go ahead, shoot. Right. Like you shouldn't yeah. do that. Uh, you know, and I, well, 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 you, well, the guy behind you or, you know, well, he has a rocket launcher or something, you know, and you hold a baby in front of you. That That's a war crime. So there's, yeah. it's true that all sides have dirty hands here is what, what Obama said. Not that I like to quote yeah. him, but, but no. I don't know how you, how you deal with this crap. Um, and I don't then, know either. And, you know, it, it, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I mean, yeah, that that's, that's really it, Chris. I mean, what else is there to say? Yeah. They're, they're both acting badly. I don't think either side honestly acts in good faith. Um, and there's a lot of no. history here and it keeps going back to, he started it. No, he started it. And it's like, it's juvenile yeah. and stupid, but. And, you know, like I had somebody, you know, messaged me going, well, you know, the Palestinians are going to kill the Jews and the Jews are going to kill the Palestine. And eventually there'll be nobody left over there. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, well, 
that's kind of a, I don't know, that's kind of a warped way of thinking about things. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping that the rest of the leaders around the world will encourage a ceasefire. I really do. I hate, I hate seeing what's happening over there. I hate seeing all these innocent people, like you said, being used as shields, basically. And, you know, and there's so much, I said, there's so much going on all the time, but, you know, CBC has to be the worst. Like, I don't really watch it, but once in a while, like in the evening, if it comes on, I'll listen to it. Oh my God. They're like, they are so fear mongering. It's just terrible. Like, are they really? Cause they, the graphic really? Because I don't, I don't really watch CBC. Yeah. I, uh, okay, I'll, I'll go to the website yeah. occasionally, but I, I don't watch much That's CBC. All. I never actually, I don't really watch them. So, what do you mean by fear mongering? What kind of uh, slant? Well, are they I don't know. Well, oh, maybe not. Well, not really fear mongering. So it's usually the national, the CBC, the national that comes on. Yeah. So they've had journalists that that have been over there that are reporting from over there, and they're kind of right on the scene. So if a place gets bombed, they're kind of within there within hours and you know they're showing kids that are screaming and crying carrying on and one little yeah. guy said well i helped to, i helped get another guy out of there but you know and it's like these kids are tormented and it's like do you really have to show us like really in that in depth like really is that what mm-hmm. journals journalism is about like i just i don't it, why do you have to do that well <laughs> i mean it can be you know it depends on how it's done, whether it's done responsibly and for the right reasons. I suspect that, and I haven't seen really any CBC reports mm-hmm. on any of this because I, I don't pay much attention to them, but my, let me guess, it's, right. it's kind of pro-Palestinian. Well, no, it's actually, I want to say more pro-Israel. Is it? Okay. But yet they're in Gaza. Well, I don't know. It's, you know what? And this kind of, hard to really make out which maybe what side they're on because they are in Gaza reporting all the time but then once in a while they'll show you on the Israel side if they're at the front lines and they're yeah. they're talking to these fighters that are going to be going in on ground and stuff so you have to like they're kind of back and forth it's like well <laughs> you, you think it's great what they're doing on this side but you don't think it's great what they're doing on this side and it's kind of like I don't know if that's a proper, I mean, I don't understand, like, I'm not a journalist, obviously, but it just, I just think there's some things that really you don't need to show us. Like, you can talk about it, but really, do you have to show us graphic? Like, I, even like you, like, sometimes you'll say, I'm not going to show that. Yeah. And there's a reason you don't want us to show us, and I get that. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you don't show us a lot of the things that you say you don't want to show us. Yeah. You know, like, there's just. There comes a point, right? So, so yeah. So let's look. Yeah. At the, I'm going to bring up a CBC report here, and we can take a look at it together, okay. and we'll see if there's a slant to this report. Then this is their lead story okay. today, and there it is on the screen. And uh, what are we looking at here? Canadians in Gaza could start leaving by Tuesday. Our government has failed us, says Canadian, whose father is stuck in Gaza. Uh, foreigners await word about leaving Gaza through Rafa crossing as exits remain. Canadians told they'll likely have to wait until at least Monday to escape the war-torn territory. Hamas-run health ministry says Israeli airstrike on refugee camp killed at least 40 people and wounded 34 others. This is all pretty neutral, these headlines, but let's get into the meat of the story then. Global Affairs Canada said Sunday that Canadians in war-torn Gaza could depart as early as Tuesday, provided a border crossing into Egypt reopens. 
quote here from uh, Global Affairs Canada. Departures for Canadian citizens, permanent residents, and eligible family members are now tentatively set to begin as early as Tuesday, November 7th. However, this will continue to shift until the border reopens. The announcement comes as the Rafa crossing along the border dividing the Gaza Strip from Egypt and the only land exit from the war-torn Palestinian territory that's not, not controlled by Israel remained closed Sunday. That development has left hundreds of Canadians who want to leave Gaza in limbo. Global Affairs Canada had previously told them they could be allowed into Egypt as early as Sunday, but the crossing has remained closed all weekend. It's all been, this is all very neutral. There's nothing in here that they would report on so far that would give them cause, cause to take a stance one way or the other in the slant. Um, her family contacted Global Affairs Canada. I'm just, you know, I know that they've got that directive where they're not supposed to refer to Hamas as um, terrorists. Dahlia Slim, right. who lives in okay. London, Ontario, said she received an email from Global Affairs on Saturday evening that says evacuations for the Canadians wishing to cross are tentatively scheduled to begin as early as Monday. Uh, roughly 11 here, this will probably be where we find any bias. Roughly 1,100 people have left the Gaza Strip through the Rafa crossing since Wednesday under an apparent agreement among the United States, Egypt, Israel, and Qatar, which mediates with Hamas. Um, still nothing. This isn't the best story to determine that. Um, whether there's dozens reported killed at refugee camp, maybe in here we'll find it. Meanwhile, the Hamas-run health ministry said an Israeli airstrike on the Magazi refugee camp in central Gaza overnight killed at least 40 people and wounded 34 others. Asked for comment, the Israeli military said they were waiting and gathering details. Mohammed Al-Alul, a photographer for Turkish news agency Anadolu, Anadolu said he lost his four children, four of his brothers and their children in the airstrike. I was, uh, there's nothing here yet that shows me real bias okay. one or the other. I can tell you, you know, I think the mainstream media um, in the last maybe six months or so, I think they've begun to shift back to a more neutral position on the way they're reporting most news. Um, they're being more responsible about things. Not to say that I, I trust them because they've blown their trust out of the out of the water with. with well, people, I but. know the last. But didn't somebody just call out the CBC just recently about? Um, again, I thought I saw a news article about that about how they've been reporting the war over there. Oh, somebody probably I has. I mean, what did I see that? You know, any media agency is always under some sort of. Criticism, of course. Like I right? really, I really, like I really hate watching mainstream media. But sometimes you need to know what's happening in around where you live too, right? So I mean, that's yeah. the only way you're going to know because, and so then you end up listening to other stories. And sometimes I just mute it because I just can't, yeah. you know. Yeah. Especially when they go on yeah. about the uh, the new jab and stuff like that. It's like no, I just mute it because I don't want to listen to that. Like well, we're done. We're all there's so much going on in the world. Who has time to worry about that? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, people, like you said, the food prices, I swear to God, every time you go into the store, they've gone up another, the same item's gone up another 50 cents, up $2, you know, like it, you really got to, I mean, shop around to get yeah. deals. Like it, like tell me, don't tell me inflation is coming down because I don't see it anywhere. No. Like clothing, no. furniture, 
anything like that. It's big bucks that you're paying now. Yeah. You know, but anyways, well, I guess all we can do is just, I guess, see what this week will bring. Yeah. You know, that's all we can can do. do It's, uh, yeah. Day by day. That's all we can do. I don't know, man. Um, some days I wake up and I and I I feel really really discouraged. I don't even want to get out of bed. But other days seem better. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, so well, that, and and you and you're kind of on the news all the time. Whereas me, I'll go about doing things, or I'll go out for coffee, or I'll try to go. Like I try not to watch it all day. Like I used to be really bad at that, but it was just driving me over the deep end. So that like I can't. So I have to I have to pull myself away from it because but I mean you obviously gotta do your podcast so you you know <laughs> but I mean I mean I like your show and yes the time did go back an hour last night and I think this has been the longest day in my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Like wow. it feels like it's so much later than it is, you know. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, Rick. Yeah. We'll see what this week brings. And anyways, maybe maybe some good news will happen this week that you can report on. That oh, would be nice for you. Yeah, I hope so. We could use some of that, couldn't we? All right. Thank you, Chris. All right. Really, Talk to you later. Really Rick. Bye-bye. All right. Okay, guys, that gets us to almost 8.30 p.m. And so you know what I'm going to do, actually, is I think uh, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um. That's because it's been a super long week, and uh, I am bagged. I'm bagged. Thank you, everybody, for uh, spending time here tonight with me. Greatly appreciate it. Again, you can support the show at freedomreporters.com or maverickdonations.com. Most people go to the Freedom Reporters thing. You can also donate through the Rumble Rants, of course. Yeah, we definitely need your support, your help. So thank you. To everyone who has in the past and thank you to everybody for uh, supporting us just even by liking sharing subscribing and, and just watching greatly greatly appreciate it i'll continue to uh to do my job here as long as you guys are out there and you continue to support what we're doing simple as that simple as that and uh stay strong i'll be back tomorrow night 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we'll catch you all on the flip side. Love y'all. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.